we pick up on this theme of the holiness of God um, and the earth trembling before him as we turn now to Exodus chapter 19, uh, page uh, 76 and 77 in the first half of uh, the Bible. The second book of the Bible, here now is the Lord's people, or here now are the Lord's people, uh, whom he saved out of heaven, so they might be bringing uh, to the land of Canaan, bringing them through a desert, and on the way the Lord um, appears and reveals himself to them uh, through uh, speaking with Moses. And that's what we're reading about. And with this sense of them being called to be holy before a God who is himself holy. So Exodus 19, page 77. In the third month after the Israelites, that's God's redeemed people, left Egypt. On the very day they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully, and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests, and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud, so that people will hear me speaking with you, and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. And that word consecrate there means that they make themselves holy. Make them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day, because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, Be careful that you do not go up the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. He shall surely be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on him, whether man or animal. He shall not be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast, may they go up to the mountain. 
after Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them, and they washed their clothes. Then he said to the people, prepare yourselves for the third day, abstain from sexual relations or from the marriage relationship. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Then Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. The Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up and the Lord said to him, Go down and warn the people so that they do not force their way through to see the Lord and many of them perish. Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves or the Lord will break out against them. Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up Mount Sinai because you yourself warned us. Put limits around the mountain and set it apart as holy. The Lord replied, Go down and bring Aaron with you. But the priests and the people must not force their way through to come up to the Lord, or he will break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. Very powerful illustration of our phrase, Hallowed be your name. And now we turn in the New Testament uh, to First Peter, page 1217. Uh, page 1217, uh, First Peter, and we read from verse 13. And here now we have a people not just descended from Jacob, but we have believers gathered in the different nations and um, um, areas of the earth uh, mentioned in verse 1 Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia Asia and Bithynia sign that the church is now taking in people from all nations who believe in the Christ for salvation but look at the call to these people exactly like the call in Exodus 19 we read verse 13 therefore Understood, you who are saved. Prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. That is, when he comes again. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, when you weren't saved. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So do you call in a father who judges each man's work or each man's life impartially? 
live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down from you to you to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. Amen. That's for our heads, and let us call upon the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, you are the God who is holy, the God who is set apart from everything that is sinful, from everything that is unworthy. You are of purer eyes than to behold iniquity. You are the great creator of all things, the one to whom we are answerable and accountable, the one by whom our lives will be judged, and we will be called to give account for how we live. We confess, O God, that unlike you, we are not holy. We are sinful. Our sin was um, committed first in Adam and is flowed to us from Adam so that we are born in sin and our lives are molded and shaped over the years by iniquity. We thank you, Lord God, for Jesus Christ of whom we have read here in both Testaments and how he was the one to whom Israel and the Old Testament looked for their salvation. It was Christ who brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of the bondage to sin and slavery. It was Christ who spoke to them and led them through the desert. And we thank you that here now in the New Testament, Christ speaks again through the Apostle Peter. And using words of the Old Testament, he says, Be holy as God is holy. So this evening as we come to think about what it means to hallow your name. And what it means uh, to pray that petition, hallowed be your name. We ask that you would lead and guide and direct and give us understanding. Bring our eyes again to look upon Jesus, who is without sin, and who is the Saviour, the one who shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Enable us to trust in him, and then in him to become more and more holy in our life and in our character. 
so that it will be said of our lives that they are lives that hallow the name of God. Bless us now and give us understanding. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, for those who are with us uh, for the first time this evening or first time in recent times, we are considering together in these evening services on the first Lord's Day of the month, the evening of the month, we're thinking about the theme, Getting to Grips with Prayer. And our studies are based on the prayer that Jesus taught uh, in uh, as recorded in Luke chapter 11, page 1042. Luke chapter 11, page 1042. We've already uh, done two sermons on this series. We thought, first of all, about how prayer is a priority in our first sermon. And then in our second sermon, a month ago, we saw that Jesus taught his disciples. He taught those who were saved by him. who were delivered and freed and forgiven their sin. Uh, that they should approach God and address God by that wonderful and marvellous name. Our Father in Heaven. Our Father in Heaven. And if you missed those messages, they are available uh, on the podcast, uh, on the internet. And now tonight, in the first petition, we move on to the phrase, Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. And we want tonight to think about what that means, and then we want to see how we are in our prayers to have this in the foremost uh, of our thinking, uh, as we speak to God, and then as we live our lives before God. The opening phrase that we considered a month ago, our Father in heaven, assures believers, assures disciples, assures you and me who are saved in Christ, that we have access to God. That we have acceptance with God and by God. And he is our Father. A Father who provides, a Father who protects, a Father who loves, a Father who does many other things perfectly for us. What a staggering statement. What a remarkable way to be able to approach this God whom we've read of here in Exodus. Who is holy to the point of being a consuming fire. And yet you and I, sinners by nature, saved through Christ, we can come to him as our Father. And we've got to hold that thought uppermost in our mind as we saw the last time when we come to God in prayer. But that glorious truth and that reality, God is my heavenly Father in Jesus. 
It is open to abuse. It can lead people to think that therefore somehow God is a kind of chum that I can be familiar with. And you see this phrase that we come to tonight, the first petition, hallowed be your name. It reminds us that as we approach God as our Father, we must not be casual. We dare not be careless in God's presence. We cannot be frivolous or familiar when we approach God, even as our Father in heaven. We need to remember His nature and character. He is the Creator, and I and you are creatures. He is absolutely holy, and I and you are thoroughly sinful of ourselves. And so Jesus, in answer to his disciples' request, Lord, teach us to pray, says to them, Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be God's name. That's what's got a got a hold to the forefront of our minds as we come to God in Christ. Now in a family, children can have unbroken access and acceptance by their parents. But would you, would I ever contemplate addressing your father, your mother, if they're still alive, Not with the title dad, but with their Christian name. I hope that is unthinkable to us. Though, sadly, it is a trend in some parts of the world today. Where a child will call their father by his Christian name. It's a trend that oversteps the line. And that is true. If coming to God as our Father, we think that because he's our Father, he's like a pal, or a chum, or a big brother. It's a step too far. It's a step too familiar. And yet it's a step that is too evident today in parts of the church. We must not lose sight of the fact that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, hallowed be your name. So what does it mean? Well, it's a phrase that we find difficult to understand, and it means this quite simply. God is holy. God is holy. And I am to remember God's holiness. And I am to uphold God's holiness in my approaches to him in prayer. Jesus himself, who was of course without sin in his earthly life. John 17, we read of him at prayer with his father. And how does he address him in John 17 verse 11? Holy 
Father. Holy Father, hallowed be your name. You, my Father in heaven, Jesus says, you are holy. In the Greek, the word holy, um, John 17, it's the same word as hallowed here in Luke chapter 11 and verse 2. So, hallowed be your name means God is holy. And the phrase, your name, means God in his person and in his being. In the West, a person's name um, is very much a matter of convenience. Jewel or Margaret. Uh, or Vicky, or whatever your name is. It identifies you, but it doesn't define you. It doesn't tell me anything about you. If I hear a person's name, and I've never met the person, the name doesn't say anything about them. In the culture of Jesus' day, and the culture of the Old Testament, and still in the Easter day, the name describes and defines the person in their character. This morning, boys and girls, we were thinking about whom? What did you call the man that we were thinking about in the children's address? Maybe remember? Well done. Well done, Jessica. Samuel. Anybody remember what that name means? Asked of God. And you see the name summed up the man because how did he come to be born he came to be born he came to exist because his mother was without a child and she prayed that the Lord would give her a child she asked for a child and then she gave him the name Samuel and the name summed up who he was throughout his life wherever he went people met this man or they heard of this man and even they never met him, they could say, well, he was someone who was asked for of the Lord. Or the name Elijah. That means God is Lord. And that was the defining truth of his life and his, his ministry. He spoke to the church in the Old Testament and he said, Remember, God is Lord, not Baal, not the false gods of the nation next door or the people down the street. But God is Lord. And again, you see, wherever this man's name was heard of, whether in Israel or in the neighboring nations, the name told you what the man was. And so when it says, hallowed be your name, God's name is his being. It stands for all he is and his attributes. And so in prayer, when you pray, keep in mind God's being. Who he is. That he is holy. And in prayer, you are to hallow his name. Hallow his name. Remember it's holy. And treat it as holy. And lift it up 
It's holy. It's the name above every other name. So, let's look at it in two practical ways then. Uh, as we develop our message this evening uh, um, rather briefly. It means that you and I, when we pray, when you pray, remember to whom you are speaking. Remember to whom you are speaking. We do that in human relationships, don't we? We speak to a person keeping in mind who they are and our relationship with them. You men, I hope you address your wives from time to time as dear or as darling. I hope you don't address a policeman if he stops you for speeding as darling. Or I hope if you end up in a court of law Either as a witness, you don't address the judge as your darling. You see, we address people according to who they are and our relationship with them. If we were meeting royalty, we would be very careful about how we would speak. If we had met the Queen when she was here recently on her uh, Jubilee visit, We'd have been very careful about how we speak to her. And you and I, who've been saved by Christ, and have now the wonderful blessing of knowing God as our Father, we must bear in mind who He is and our relationship with Him as we speak to Him in prayer. He's my Creator, He's my Judge. He is eternal in his existence. He is glorious in his being. He's almighty in his power. The mere word. He causes this world to come into being. And in a simple word, he will cause this world to end. That's the kind of God we're praying to. He's sovereign in his will. Nobody can say to him, what are you doing? He's perfect in his being. He's complete in his knowledge. And here I am, and here you are. And we're speaking to such a great and glorious one. And I am a worm of a man before such a one. Hallowed be your name. Remember to whom you are speaking. And so when you pray, you will pray then with humility. Humility. I deserve nothing. No good thing from this God. And everything that I have is by grace and his gift. You will pray with submission. You'll not come wanting to force your will on God. Or holding to it stubbornly against uh, his 
providence and his word, you'll say instead, not my will, but your will be done. When you pray, you will pray with reverence and awe. Just as these people were to come to this mountain with reverence and with awe, fearing the Lord. You pray with honesty, confessing your sins. You'll pray with sincerity, as Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. There'll be no, we're not to have empty phrases. We're just going through a rigmarole that we can say we've prayed. There's not to be any mindless use of words. This, for example, happens with people reciting in Roman Catholicism the rosary, just a mindless repetition of words. We're not to use the Lord's name as a gap filler when our thoughts dry up and we're afraid of a silence and then we just drop in the word Lord. Remember to whom you're speaking. Hallowed be your name. And of course, when we see Jesus, the man at prayer, do we not see him continually hallowing the name of his Father? Do we not see him continually remembering to whom he is speaking? He is eternal God, but now on earth he is speaking to God not as God, but he's speaking to God as man to God. And so there is humility and submission and reverence and sincerity in his prayers. The only thing he did not need to pray, that we need to pray, was to confess sin because he had no sin. Remember to whom you're speaking. But then secondly and equally important, when you pray, Hallowed be your name. Remember before whom you are living. Remember before whom you are living. For this phrase, hallowed be your name, has relevance and application not just when I draw near to God in Christ in my prayer. Hallowed be your name has to be the motto of my life. It has to be the message that my life gives to others. In other words, God is interested in every nook and cranny of my life. He's interested in my whole day from morning to night. Not just the few moments that I draw near to him in prayer. He's interested in my every day from Sabbath or from the Lord's Day to Saturday, from the beginning of the week to the end of the week. He's not just interested in what I do on this day. And so I and you, we together, we say we're saved in Christ and we're disciples of Christ 
and we want to learn to pray from Christ, Christ says, have a consciousness of my Father's holiness. Not just when you read scripture and pray, but in your home life. Not just when you meet as his church on the Lord's Day. Have a consciousness of God's holiness when you speak to your wife. When you discipline your children. When you interact with your neighbours. When you engage in your daily vocation, whatever that is. And right throughout life, when you pursue your leisure, have a consciousness. Hallowed be your name. Other people are to discover and know God is holy from every facet of my life and of your life. Not just if they were able to listen in to my praying, but as they listen to my speaking to other people, as they observe my working, as they observe my recreating, they should recognize and discover and know this God is holy. Our lives of those saved by Christ are to be holy. And that word holy, at its very basic meaning, means to be set apart from and set apart to. Set apart from myself and my sin. Set apart to God. Set apart to holiness. Set apart to reflecting his character. A mirror. What does it reflect? Boys and girls. What does a mirror reflect? Huh? What does it reflect? Huh? Define it. Yourself. It reflects what looks into it. What is held up to it? If you hold up a piece of coal to the mirror, you'll see a piece of coal. If you hold up one of your toys... You'll see your toy. You hold up yourself to the mirror. You'll see yourself. A mirror reflects what looks into it. And our lives are to be held up to God. So as to reflect God. In his holiness. To those around us. Let's notice a couple of verses. As we close. First Peter chapter 1. And verse 15 that we read earlier. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. In all your conduct. Not in some of your conduct. Tell me, as you think back in the past week, have you been holy in all your conduct? Have you been any place? Have you been doing anything? Have you been saying anything that you would be ashamed of if God were to, to speak to you about that? Be holy in all your conduct. Be holy for I am holy. Hallowed be your 
name. It means may God be recognized as holy from how I speak to him, from how I live my life day by day before him. And again, think of Jesus. Think of Jesus in his earthly life. And how the people saw the holiness of God in the human life of Jesus. They heard it in his words. It was demonstrated in his actions and his attitudes. And so he's our great example here. You see, we cannot separate our prayer life and our everyday life. Can't separate those two. Hallowed be your name. It's got to be the rainbow that arches over my prayer life and arches over my daily life. Just as it did in Jesus' prayer life and earthly life. Psalm 66 If I regard iniquity in my heart. In other words, if I pursue iniquity, the heart is the centre of my being. If I pursue iniquity as a person, what does it say? What will happen? The Lord will not hear. He will not hear. So, when you pray, hallowed be your name. That's the primary thought that's to to introduce our prayers. And I think that requires us to be still when we're coming before God in prayer and just getting our thoughts gathered and focused so that we remember to whom we're speaking. But then as we get up from prayer, it should focus our thoughts as well to remember before whom we are living. And unless we begin here making the holiness of God a priority in our praying and our living, we are not going to learn to pray as Jesus did. We're not going to learn to pray unless we start here. Hallowed be your name. And of course, we cannot live this holy life of ourselves. And that's where we need Jesus day by day. The heart of our lives. Looking to him day by day as our saviour. Working out his salvation and him working his salvation into the fabric of my life. That I acknowledge my sin, to confess my sin and I forsake my sin and I follow more and more after him. It's only by looking to Jesus, it's only by being saved by him and abiding in him that we then can begin to hallow God's name as we speak to him in prayer and we, so we live before him. Amen.